the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. My guest today is Toby Chapman, founder of the Everboost Agency, which is a retention marketing specialist. So we're all within the area of retaining customers and trying to get customers to buy from us again. Toby, welcome to the show. Could you talk a little bit about who Everboost are and, and what your uh, your target market is? Yes. Firstly, thank you for having me on, Kieran. Uh, really excited to film this episode. So a little bit about Everboost. We are, like you said, a retention marketing agency exclusively for direct consumer um, health and wellness brands. So you know, your consumer packaged goods really. So whether it's supplement, skincare, hair care, those sort of products that have you know a short buying cycle, say every 30 days. Um, and our main kind of vehicle um, is email and SMS marketing. So say if you go onto a website and it says, you know, the typical, we're, we're not massive fans of this, but get 10% off, off your first order. That's really what we do. We, we do all the, the automated email messaging and text messages off the back of that. Okay, so let's, let's unpack two things there, because one of the things I want to talk about is why you don't like the discounting side. Yeah. Um, but let's start with, you're very specifically in health and wellness. So I was very intrigued that you set up an agency very much in that area. What, what was the motivation for that? And why have you stayed in, in that area? Yeah, of course, that's a great question. So. I think within the e-commerce space there there is a lot of agencies and a lot of them are kind of generalists they maybe offer you know ads email seo a lot of more different services across multiple industries and whilst you know this you know it clearly works for some of them um, i think it is advantageous to have one service in one kind of industry and you position yourselves as the expert for those brands that are looking for whatever it is that you offer now, health and wellness, I've always been a bit of a you know health, health freak, if you, if you want to call it, some people say. Um, so it made sense to go into that field. Um, and you know the, the people that I work with, I just get on really well and we have similar interests. So really, it was just a, a case of you know positioning and also combining my interests with it. It's, um, as I said before we started recording, it's very refreshing because so often I come across people that want to start a new industry and they have a new company and they want to do everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. But actually finding your niche and staying within that niche and being the expert is, is, I think you're right, it's absolutely key. So you said that it's direct to consumer. So we're not looking at business to business here. It's all to a consumer market. Correct, yes. So you can, email marketing you know, applies business to business. You can do it there. Uh, but direct to consumer is obviously the brand trying to sell their products to to the people that have shown an interest and whether that's they visited the site organically or they've come through paid ads it's really you know communicating with these people and saying we're the best this is why you should buy from us um here's this button now go and buy it okay so you you said um that it was all the automated stuff that i see when i come to a website so one of my pet peeves is going to a website and i'm just getting interested when that pop-up comes in that says do you want 10 percent off i don't know i haven't read your products yet <laughs> um so is that is that what we mean by automated marketing is that um but there must be more to it than that yeah so that is one sort of piece of the puzzle or one aspect but it goes a lot deeper than that um i guess this this it's probably a good point to talk about those pop-ups like you said a lot of people do get annoyed when they visit a site and straight away they're slapped in the face with a pop-up saying you know give us your email address we'll give you something in exchange mm. now these pop-ups are obviously i'm a fan of them but not the way that some brands do them like you said instantly on site load 
there's far like many other ways that, um, that make sense to use these pop-ups, whether it's a, a time delay, if someone's scrolled a certain percentage of the page, which obviously shows a little bit more intent if they if they stayed on the site for this long. Um, and like I said, these pop-ups are just you know, one part of the, the automation. So when someone gives their email address, we've now got their data, we've got their permission to market to them, where we can send a, they're called flows. So it's basically a sequence of messages that have certain time delays between them, each you know, communicating something special, whether it's the, the USPs of the brand, the brand story, a certain product highlight. So that's just one sequence, but there's also other things. So say if you've started checkout, so you've added something to your cart, you get to the point where you're just about to buy and you think, well, maybe you get distracted or you know, you don't, there's unexpected shipping costs. There's also things that you can send off the back of that that say, you know, look, come back, you know, here's a free shipping if that's what stopped you. Um, so it's all, all really just basically taking this data and, and these touch points along the customer journey and sending the relevant messages to them um, at the right time. Okay, so you made that sound very easy and I suspect it isn't. <laughs> so let's go back to, you talked about a sequence of messages. How does that bit work? How, so do you sit with a blank sheet of paper and go, these are the messages, or do you start with the data? Yeah, so before we create any flows or sequences for a brand, you really need to get to know the brand, who they're selling to, their, their target audience, their, their brand voice. And off the back of this, you then strategize and say, right, so they're targeting these people, this is their sort of interests, their demographics, and you base your messaging around that. So really you get a good idea of the brand, and then you create these these flows or these sequences. And now with the traffic being driven to the site, like I said, whether it's you know paid ads, organic, um, other ways, you capture this data. Obviously you're not going to get everyone because not everyone gives over their, their, their details. Um, but for those that, that do, you can now retarget these with you know emails, text messages, um, and also feed all of this data back into um, your other marketing channels. So can you give me an example of how that might work? In terms of like feeding the data to other channels mm. or? Uh, well, yeah. generally from sequencing, but also feeding the data. Of course. So in terms of uh, you know feeding data into other channels, we can create what are called segments within the email sending provider. So a big one is, is Klaviyo for e-commerce, but there are um, other competitors that are sort of on the rise like Sendlane and Yotpo. Now these segments are groups of people based on um, a set of conditions. So it could be people that have purchased once over all time, people that have never purchased, or your VIPs, so they say spent X, X pounds over their lifetime. And with these people, so say your VIPs, you know that these are really your best customers, that they're gonna spend the most money. So you can take this list, <laughs> trying to keep it simple, export it, mm -hmm. and give it to say um, your Google Ads team. So they can really nail their, their targeting with these ads and, and take the interest, the demographics, etc., um, to really sort of hone in any other kind of advertising um, and make it as, as efficient as possible without you know, throwing money down the drain. So if it was... OK, thank you. That was very clear. So to come back to your sequence of messaging, which is the other part of my question, um, how do you decide what order of sequencing or what type of messages? Yeah, so there is sort of core um, sequences or, or structures that every brand should have. So these are like so your welcome flows, browser abandonment, banner checkout, those various flows. 
So every branch has set these up. That's that's a given. Now within these sequences, there are best practices, um, kind of structures that you, you can follow. Obviously, it's not going to be identical across brand to brand. Um, so really, you set all of these up. You see how they perform. And then based on the data that's being fed back to you, you can refine them. Um, say, if one email, the messaging in it, it is a bit off, you can obviously change that over time. So there's no like one sequence that you say, right, this brand needs this one, this one needs this one. All of them need the core flow structures. It's just the messaging within these um, that is different across them. So you say cheerfully, um, so every brand needs these core flow structures, and I suspect I'm not the only one sitting there going, okay, which are the flow structures? So you, you mentioned a welcome flow structure. Correct. So welcome flow structure is, um, say, someone gives over their email address on a pop-up or the footer of a website. It's the series of emails that follow that. So trying to convince them on, on making a purchase. You've got a browse abandonment flow, which is where someone's on your website, they simply view a product, so they show some kind of interest, but they leave it at that. So it's the sequence of emails that follows, saying, you know, come back, um, take it, take another look, here's why it's so good. You've got an abandoned cart, which is where someone adds the product to their cart, doesn't start checkout, and leaves the website. So it's the emails that follow that. An abandoned checkout, which is where they obviously start the checkout, abandon the website. Post-purchase, which is really I like to talk about a lot because yeah, that's where, that. yeah. yeah, so retention really just begins on the post-purchase. Um, and there are other flows like an order replenishment flow. So say if someone, you know, it's like I mentioned with the, the supplement skincare, usually it's about 30, every 30 days you want to purchase. Um, obviously this, this varies, but it, it will come just before that 30 day mark saying, you know, time to reorder. Um, we saw you ordered, you know, however long ago. Um, and there's other, other flows that, you know, will do work, so like a site abandonment, where they simply leave the site and don't take any other actions. But those six um, will really move the needle the most for you. Brilliant, thank you. Before we come to post-purchase, I just wanted to cover, what about people, irritating people like me who don't give their details, always click the cookie, no, you can't track me. What do you do with those? Yeah, so if they make a purchase and they give you their email address um, within the checkout, obviously, you've got their, their details now, and usually there'll be a box that you have to tick to say, I consent to you know email marketing or, or SMS marketing. If they don't tick that, then obviously there's not much that you can do. Um, there are a few different apps that I think, you, I'm not too sure about the UK, but in the US, um, they have access to a database of you know millions of email addresses. Um, so if someone doesn't give over their details, they can still retarget them because these people have consented at some point in time to say, you know, I'm happy to receive marketing um, of a general thing. But in terms of, you know, people that don't give over their details, it's you can you just got to keep trying with, with additional pop ups or, or messaging or ads, whatever it may be, um, and hope that you get their details. <laughs> Okay, so it's a question of tempting them. Um, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Right, let's come to post-purchase because I know this is really your, your massive area of expertise. So why, let's start with the obvious. Why is retention so important? Why does post-purchase retention matter? Of course. So obviously we've got acquisition and retention. Um, acquisition being getting new customers, retention being uh, keeping those customers um, over the long term. As a new brand, 
the weighting between acquisition and retention you should have more towards acquisition because you're trying to grow um, but as you scale you should draw it like cut it back a bit um, and focus sort of equally between acquisition and retention some people like to say you know retention is king and it's all you need but that's not the case you are naturally going to have customers that leave over time so you do need to have a constant flow of traffic coming in but i think the reason why retention is you know what one of my favorites is nowadays with um, the current you know, situation with advertising, um, the economy, etc. It's becoming all the more expensive to get customers. There's hundreds of brands out there, and it's being it's becoming all the all the more harder to actually stand out um, and keep these people. So if you can really nail your you know retention strategies and keep people over the long term, it's going to be so much easier to scale because you're not constantly pumping money in into advertising, trying to make up for people that just move on to the next competitor. Okay, so you talked about as part of that was post-purchase, and we have a phrase in marketing, post-purchase rationalisation. So talk me through the post-purchase and why it matters and what I should be doing. Of course. So like I mentioned earlier, the post-purchase is really where your work just begins. A lot of brands think that, right, we've got this customer, they've, they've made a purchase, good, let's try and get a new customer. But like I said, the work only just begins once they've made that per uh, purchase. So post-purchase really is... The key things are removing buyer's remorse. So say if you've you know, just bought a nice top or you know, some piece of clothing and you think, oh, should I have spent that money? Have I made the right decision? Should I have gone elsewhere? It's really confirming their decision. So you know, getting them excited. Depending on the product, you've also got user adoption. Um, so something like a supplement where it requires uh, consistent use over time. You're building that habit, so habit formation, you're building the habit of using the product, which again is they're more likely to see results, meaning they're more likely to you know, like the product and come back. Um, and also just maintaining that excitement after they've made the purchase and, and driving more traffic back to your site. So whether it's promoting um, blog articles related to their, their product or showing off customer success stories, so you can start to sort of future pace um, getting them to imagine their life in in the coming months. Um, so it's really, you know, building that relationship and nurturing the customer more so they're more likely to make a purchase um, in the in the coming weeks or months, however long the buying cycle is. Yes, buyer's remorse, I think, is something that we tend to overlook a lot because <laughs> we tend to get very excited. And there's something about marketing models where they, they, they start with, they talk about acquisition or they talk about customer journey. And there's that bit in the middle that goes, well, I've just gone from being to one to the other. And actually, I've got 30 days to return my product now. So maybe that's a good time to go, you really do want to keep this product. This is, this is great. I'm very intrigued by the habit forming as well, because I can see with, us, with supplements, yes, it, we can be very impatient. Well, I bought this new supplement. I've taken it for two days and nothing's happened. Um, how, how long do you have to keep the habit going from a supplement perspective? Yeah, so... Obviously, this varies on the type of supplement or whether it's a, you know, a skincare product. Um, but you really want to stay in touch with, with these people, say, over the next month. You just send them an email or two every week as part of this post-purchase sequence, um, giving them maybe tips and tricks or how-to guides, really just reminding them of the product that they've purchased so you stay top of mind. And there's, there's also other ways. So you could promote, say, an accountability group. So say if you've got a, a private Facebook group or you know, depending on the audience you're selling to, uh, something that I think is quite an untapped um, 
sort of channel is, is Discord. So if you've got a young channel, uh, sorry, a young audience, Discord could be great. Um, and really just, like I said, just staying top of mind for that, for that, you know, those coming weeks, that month, um, and getting them to use the product so that they are more likely to come back um, in the future. Okay. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you see companies not doing that they should be doing in this area? In terms of the post-purchase? Mm. Ooh, well, I think a big one is the buyer's remorse. Mm. So most people leave it at a, you know, thank you for placing an order with us. You should get your order within you know, X days, um, depending on the shipping. So really um, sort of making the most of this post-purchase and not using it as a, as, a, as a way to get more sales. Some people like to do an instant upsell. So they've placed a purchase and they say, oh, you know, get 20% off you know, if you buy, buy another one. This can can be um, beneficial, but I think there's better ways to do it with, so this is in terms of e-commerce. Um, there's apps that provide so in-cart upsells or cross-sells um, and post-purchase upsells and cross-sells. So I think for most brands, they should just, rather than trying to get more sales out of the post-purchase, really focus on building the relationship and placing more emphasis into that flow as opposed to you know, the, the, the other flows. Obviously they, they have their importance, but if retention is, is the goal, really now that post-purchase sequence and I, I we can't finish without a mention of your, of the everboost website because we were talking about it before we <laughs> recorded um and uh, you your website is um punchy i think was the description i gave um you've got one one bit in there where you actually say the words impressed of course not screw that which i thought was see we're a little bit different and i thought yes that was really sort of very clearly saying that you you were different so we started off talking about the fact that you were comfortable choosing an area that you wanted to to be in and stay there um how how in how difficult is it to create a website like that where you're just being very confident about this is what we do um and and staying within that lane yeah i think you're it's it's natural to have sort of doubts or feel like or oh, maybe i should should go the route that everyone else is doing mm. But at the end of the day, you need to stand out. And that, that's what's really going to, to move the needle is being different. Because I'm sure if you visit various other agency websites, it all, like we were mentioning, it's all that corporate, very this, 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 and it all just blends in with each other. Um, so I think you just, yeah, just, just go for it. You are going to have some prospects or potential people that could have worked for you that think, oh, no, I'm, I'm put off by that. Um, but like you said it before we started recording, those aren't the people that you want to work with. Um, so it's really just being comfortable in in, in who your ideal prospect is uh, and going all in on it. And I suppose um, from an outsider looking at it, it's very clear the type of work that you do. The, the fact that you're, that one of your call to action buttons is give me the goods. Um, <laughs> I just it it told me that here was an agency that might help my brand stand out as well so um, but i think again it's something as we were talking beforehand it's very easy for companies to want to be part of the generic you know it's supposed to be corporate because i'm at work so being confident about saying no i only work in this area and this is this is who we are and this and our website displays that is actually is quite unusual yeah that's a great point that you made about the um sort of brand voice Karen is if you do really want to stand out, it's nailing that that voice and being the sort of elephant in the inbox or, or standing out like a sore thumb. Um, because I'm sure if you open up your your inbox, you see hundreds of emails that you know all look the same. So I think, like you say, if we if we 
if we're able to do it for on our own website why can't we do it for your brand <laughs> nice plug there i like that <laughs> um, and so i presume that's something you recommend for your own for brands and anybody that's looking to do retention is to is to try and stand out in a, in a way either by a, a wacky voice or by what you offer or how you offer it absolutely 100 percent. and a good way of doing this is with ChatGPT. You can just go into, say, your about section on the website or um, where you talk about your brand story, because obviously that, that should be written by the founder, um, hopefully. And you can just say to ChatGPT, you know, who, who, is, who does this sound most like, like a celebrity or whoever it may be? And with your future messaging, you know, okay, this is who, who they want to go for. Uh, this is in terms of from the agency doing the work. And then all your messaging is based around that one person. That's very interesting. So I'm sorry, I was going to finish there, but we've got to unpack that a bit further. So you're obviously using ChatGPT in quite an, in, in a very specific way there. Um, and that's not a way I've come across people using ChatGPT before, so I'm going to have to ask more. So you're literally, you're going to the About Us page and then asking ChatGPT to say it's a celebrity. So, yeah, so you, you take the text and you say, you know, who does this sound most like? So like out of a celebrity, you don't have to give a name, but... If this were a celebrity, a sports person, obviously you can tie it into, if it's like a supplement brand, you could say uh, like a, a health um, influencer or whatever it may be. And ChatGPT will say, oh, you know, it sounds like so-and-so. Um, and like I said, this just allows you to main, uh, maintain sort of messaging consistency across all channels, whether it's your ads, your emails, um, your landing pages, which really keeps you top of mind when people think, oh, it sounds like I think John Travolta. <laughs> um, they know it's associated with that brand. Gosh, okay. And then, did you use ChatGPT to create the the rest of the the content, or is you do you run the rest of the content through ChatGPT and say, does this still like sound like John Travolta? <laughs> so, ChatGPT is more of a sort of research tool mm -hmm. um, for us. I think it's able to replace sort of average copywriters. Um, but for those really, you know, those great copywriters, it's it's just a tool. So another way that we like to use it is take competitors' reviews, take all of their worst reviews, run it through ChatGPT and say, what are, say, the three to five key points that people don't like about this product? So now in your messaging, you can talk about how you do offer this. And you can do it the same with your reviews. So take your top reviews, what do people like the most? And then again, hone in on this, focus in on this and it's maintaining that consistency across all, all channels. Fantastic. So you're using it very much as a research tool. Are there any other areas you use it for? Ooh, good question. Uh, I mean, in terms of myself, it's good for um, content ideas. So across, across your social medias. Um, and also <laughs> you can use it for just grammar um, and saying, you know, in terms of professional, if you want to work something professionally, you can, can use it there. Um, there are other AI tools, um, so design tools that you can use for, for the actual email design side of things. Um, but in terms of ChatGPT, really, it's yeah, mostly research. Fantastic. Toby Chapman, founder of Everboost. We, we started on retention, we ended up on ChatGPT, but that was, <laughs> a, that was great. Thank you so much indeed for your time. No, thank you for having me, Karen. It's been really good fun recording this. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast. From Cambridge Marketing College, training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.